This is good old boy Mike from Sips, Suds, and Smokes podcast, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. And now it's time for our feature presentation. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 209, Fashion in Pop Culture. Brian, along with Derek Myers, this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Now, this week, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to be taking a look at fashion in pop culture. Now, Derek, I may or may not focus primarily on Gen X pop culture here, just so you know. No kidding. <laughs> but anyway, listen, we're not going to do this alone. We reached out uh, to our new good friends over at the Designated Quizzers podcast, and they agreed to come on the show and join us in this uh, in this topic this week. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to uh, give a big welcome to the podcast to Lisa and Jason Marks. Lisa, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining us. And Jason, you as well. Hello. How are you? Hello, Chris. Hello, Derek. I am well. Thank you. Uh, So, a couple of things I want to say. First of all, congratulations on your success with the designated quizzers podcast things are really starting to take off for you guys over there uh yeah we appreciate that and uh you know hopefully it's a a nice beginning to a long journey so thank you very much we appreciate that well i I tell you what for the uninitiated you want to just take a minute and uh, lisa maybe just let everybody know what designated quizzers is all about so we uh take a topic and we pretty much tell you all about the topic we uh, state a fact, say we are using uh, fashion trends, and we'll state a fact about a fashion trend, but then spin it around and do some sort of educational question that has nothing to do with fashion at all. <laughs> we may take one word like jacket and and spin that and then ask a question about uh, how much a jacket would be would have been in the 1950s <laughs> or something like that uh it's hard to explain but you'd have to listen to it to understand and it's a little shocking because you think you know the answer and then you have no idea uh <laughs> that the question was going to spin i really like one thing i like that you guys are doing over there is i like how you're reaching out to other podcasters and jason i think you've mentioned it as kind of a community out there of independent podcasters and it certainly is and I really like the way you, you've kind of embraced the community and reached out to people and kind of really been networking that way. I got to tell you, I've been podcasting now for 10 years. Uh, I started up the Dear Mr. Fantasy baseball podcast back in 2012, and then I shifted over to this podcast in 2016. One lesson I've learned along the way is I think the best strategy is networking with other podcasters. Don't you agree, Jason? Yeah, I do. That's something that we've learned early on is that uh, there's strength in numbers and uh, you know, there's a lot of great, there's a lot of great people out there too. And and so it's, it's not just the, 
the 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 gain for the podcast it's it's you know it's a gain for for your for your personal life you you do meet a lot of interesting and fascinating people so it's 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 a double win funny enough some of my best friends i have never met in person like it sounds crazy like well. although i got to tell you that's going to change very very soon because i'm going on vacation to florida in march and i'm going to meet yancy eaton in person for the first time this is a big deal yancy used to host this podcast with me uh before uh Derek came along but anyway, before we get into things, I, w- I wanted to mention, like, since I started out doing the Dear Mr. Fantasy podcast, um, and I was one of the, I was one of the first independent fantasy baseball podcasts in the world. So people in that community still call me the OG in the fantasy baseball community. And I was thinking, since I have you guys on uh, this week, um, as guests to the podcast, it would only make sense that I give you a gift in some way. And it, it seems appropriate, you know, you're coming on, you're my guest, I should, you know, Derek and I, we should give you a gift. And what better gift is there, Derek, than the gift of song? Uh, well, it depends which gift you're going to give them. But uh... So, as, as I mentioned, no, you're both Gen Xers, right? You're both born in the 70s, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So me too. We're going to get along great. So like I say, I started up Dear Mr. Fantasy and, and people called me the, the OG. So I'm known as the OG. So here's a song that I wrote and I just wanted to share it with you. It's yours forever. I must say that was beautiful. That, that was that like a high school dance. Oh, I like them already, Derek. Oh, they're good. Maybe they can come on permanently. So listen, one thing we like to do quickly before we get started, uh, we'd like to mention any pop culture that we've, you know, that we've kind of partaken in in the last week. Derek, you want to get us started? Uh, what's what's new in the world of pop culture for you, bud? Sure. So I think, as I mentioned uh, on some of the recent shows, uh, I've expanded my cable TV package because, of course, I still have cable TV in addition to all my streaming services because I watch a crap ton of TV. Uh, And so I've got these old these old movie channels where I get movies from the 70s, 80s, 90s and 2000s. So I've been able to get a wide variety going. So I managed to watch two movies from the 80s this week. Neither of them that I had seen before. The first one from that was mentioned in our show last week stars. Sylvester Stallone and Billy Dee Williams from 1981. Oh, Nighthawks. Oh, yes. yes. With Ricker Hauer. Oh, that's a good yes. one. Lindsay Wagner. Never, oh, man. I'd never seen it. Oh, it's good. I didn't know anything about it. I actually had never heard of it until we did our show last week and I was looking up Billy Dee Williams when we, mm-hmm. when we did the Batman movie review. Yep. And then I just happened to see it in the, in the lineup this week. So I recorded it and I watched it. I mean, it's your typical early 80s cop movie. Uh, there's nothing fantastic about it. But at the same time, it wasn't terrible. So I was mm-hmm. like, eh. 
whatever. The scene then, when, he, when, the, when the bad guy comes in to get Lindsay Wagner and she turns around at the when she's doing the dishes. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then the other one I saw from 1983, again, a movie I'd never seen before mm-hmm. starring Joe Pesci and Rodney Dangerfield. Easy Money. Oh, God, that's a great movie. Oh, my God. I love that one. And Taylor Negron's in that one and Jennifer Jason Lee. Oh, that's a good one, man. Now, I am a big fan of Ronnie Dangerfield. I love his stand-up. Mm-hmm. I loved him in the movie Back to School. It's one of my 1980s guilty pleasure movies. Mm-hmm. And I'd never seen Easy Money, but I'd heard good things. And let me tell you, it sucked. Oh, man, it you're was wrong. Terrible. You are wrong. You're oh, so it was wrong. just so bad. I, I, I That's why I had never had a chance to see it, because no channel in their right mind would play no. it because it was no. so bad. People wrong. would have been changing the channels. Wrong. So, wrong. so those wrong. were those were two of my old movies. Then I saw, I watched a brand new series that just dropped on Amazon Prime called Reacher. This is the Jack Reacher. You might know that uh, Tom Cruise did a movie loosely based on one of the, or two movies based on okay. the Jack Reacher book franchise. I'll take your so word this, for it. This is uh, a new series with a new cast. It's, a, uh, I believe it's six episodes, maybe eight episodes, eight episodes. It's just called Reacher. It was fantastic. It was mostly shot here in Canada, so if uh, if you're from the GTA, you might actually recognize some of the places, but uh, it, not to the point where it takes you out of the story. The guy they cast as Reacher is fantastic. If you've watched the uh, the Titans series based on the Teen Titans comic books on Netflix, it's uh, the character who played Hawk out of the Hawk and Dove pair. He's fantastic. Uh, it was really good. It, it's apparently very, very, very close to the uh, to the book. The book is a national bestseller. And I, I read just this week that it's already been picked up for season two. So you want eight hours of good TV, Amazon Prime, check out Reacher. It was fantastic. <laughs> and then, of course, it wouldn't be a week on this show if I didn't have a chance to tell you about a documentary that I did watched. You, did you say documentary? I believe I did. For 40 days and 40 nights, watch documentaries. He likes to learn about the world. It's Derek's Documentaries. Derek's Documentaries. What was it? All right. It was, uh, you're going to like this one, Chris. Mm-hmm. It was a document. It was the first of three parts, mm-hmm. and it's called, the series called Time Warp, The Greatest Cult Films of All Time. Ooh, that sounds right up my alley. Time Warp, so obviously, three, is, you know, a yeah, reference the first to Rocky one, Horror. The, fir- the very first episode, the first movie they talk about is Rocky Horror. That nice. sort of kicks the whole thing off, which is obviously where the title of the series comes from. Three cool. episodes, they're 90 minutes each. This first episode covered, uh, started with uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show and then went right into The Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. And then it went into The Wayback Machine and started talking about a lot of older ones. But uh, it came around, there were still uh, a fair amount of newer films they talked about as well. But in every in every case, even though some of them were movies I had never watched, I would heard of most of them. And I think they've done a very good job. They have a lot of interviews with uh, the stars, the directors for movies that are more recent, uh, a lot of... Um, film critics and and um educators and people that are like industry insiders that can speak to these these films yeah it was great i'm really looking forward to seeing the other two episodes the series came out in 2019 and 2020 so it's been around a while so it's probably available on some of the streamers or on demand but yeah it's called time warp the greatest cult films of all times nice all good stuff lisa anything new in the world of pop culture for you so on uh saturdays we have of movie night with uh, my stepdaughter, Jason's teenage daughter, she's 14. And we'll flip flop back and forth and we throw some eighties movies in there. And Jason and she are very big fans of horror. 
And I said, well, I was flipping through, how about flowers in the attic? Because I haven't seen it in a while. And I remembered that it was good. And I have also read the book and she did not like it. And I just (laughs) thought she was going to like it. (laughs) The book was probably better than the movie. Definitely. The book is always better. But oh. it was so, it's so creepy, this movie. Yeah. And it it just gives you, it's just wasn't, a wasn't horrible it feeling. Christy Swanson, wasn't she one of the kids that was yeah. in the ad? Yeah, I remember Buffy that. Buffy the, the Empire yeah. Slayer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jason, uh, any movies or TV shows or anything that uh, you've been able to take in in the last week or recently? Um, I'm, yeah, no, I'm going to go back a, a, a previous week. So I guess basically we're going we're gonna to stick with the Saturday Night Movie theme because uh, that, that seems to be the the big moment each week that we oh, get to, sure. to to pick up on things. So the previous week we went uh, a little more uh, modern and we went with the, the movie get out. Uh, it was um, uh, Jordan Peele uh, wrote that, that movie. And it's interesting. Uh, it was very, I thought it was a very good movie. We, we really enjoyed it. And actually my, my daughter watched it. I got a text from her uh, early last week or, or this week, I guess I should say. And she sent me a screenshot of of her watching the movie again so she she really took to that one but mm-hmm. uh it was racially charged it was um uh, funny in a, uh, a a creepy sort of way i guess maybe <laughs> but uh uh if you haven't seen that one it, it was a good uh it was a good film and it was it's highly recommended so. and you don't you don't think of jordan peele off the top of your head as being like a horror movie guy you know like he started right. doing that like key and peele show it was like a like a sketch comedy kind of thing but i've heard nothing but good things about that movie um well i have one thing i mentioned on a recent show and i and i've mentioned this on social media as well how much i i like dragon's lair the the video game from the 80s i used to be like the high score champ in my town <laughs> And so I mentioned it and whatever uh, on the podcast. And then I want to give a big shout out because Bob Hilbig and the good folks at Digital Leisure. Now, they are a company that does, uh, they do game development uh, up here in Canada. And they reached out to me. They own the rights to Dragon's Lair. And so they reached out to me and they were generous enough to help me and hook me up with a an arcade console, like a full stand-up arcade game that comes with like multiple games, including Dragon's Lair. And Matt Mania, which is a wrestling game I used to play back in the 80s. And so I want to give a big shout out to uh, Digital Leisure and in particular Bob Hilbig for for helping me get hooked up with that. It's like a pop culture dream for me. So now I have this arcade game in my basement. And let me tell you, the kids love it, too. Even though they're I got young kids. My kids are 12 and nine and they just love this thing. It's just great. So anyway, kind of cool. Oh, speaking of my kids, something I like to do around here is this. Here's your dad joke of the week. Okay. I, want, I try to keep my dad jokes like on topic for the week. So since we're doing fashion, I thought I'd you know, kind of do kind of a related dad joke. Okay. So here it is. What pop star makes the fastest onstage wardrobe changes? Taylor Swift. <laughs> Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Get it, Derek? Get it. Chris, I've told you a million times, repeating the punchline doesn't make it any funnier. Oh, man, shove it up here. I'm 
to your head counselor. I did not enjoy this anymore the second time. <laughs> What's going on? What's wrong? I've never seen it. Oh, never wow. interested in seeing it. No desire to see it. Was not interested at all. Oh, I paid $200 for these shoes, but I mean on the best. It's certainly tame by today's standards. There's a very fat pair of pants hanging from the flagpole this morning. It is not something I think I ever need to see again. Oh! Matt Damon. Matt Damon. All right, I mentioned off the top of the show, we like to mix things up around here. You know, like we we do movie reviews and we do pop culture fantasy drafts and sometimes we'll pick a, a topic or do a top five list or whatever. So this week we're going to take a look at fashion and pop culture. And what we're going to do this week is we're just going to have a general discussion about how fashion has played a role in pop culture. And also I think how pop culture has played a role in fashion. It works both ways. So I'm sure that we'll be reminiscing about lots of examples this week, so it should be good. But I'd like to start off with a question. So Lisa, maybe we'll, we'll start with you on this one. Do you think pop culture, like I'm, like I'm talking movies, TV, musicians, obviously, do you think that they influence fashion more or does fashion influence pop culture? Like does one drive the other? Is there more of a balance between the two? Like what's your general thoughts? Well, I was looking up at work um the recent way that fashion from the 80s has been coming back and it's all been influenced by um, actors and actresses walking around wearing 1980s fashion and that's why it came back. So it's just they're showing kids that are, they're, you know, famous 21-year-olds, 18-year-olds wearing the things that we wore when we were young. And it's why it's coming back. So I just feel like everything we're seeing, you know, famous people, that's what's bringing the fashion back. It's not that everyone was like, well, I want to wear scrunchies again, or I want to wear leather jackets again. It's that we're seeing, and and it's becoming new again, but we we know it's not new. (laughs) I hope that made sense. Oh, for sure. sure. Jason, what's your your take on this in general? You think um, like, Pop culture influences fashion. Does fashion influence pop culture both ways? Like just general thoughts on it. Yeah, I think there's a combination of both. I, I do agree with Lisa that a lot of I, I, I'm I'm more on that side too. I think a lot of what you see, or, or what people see, uh, Hollywood and and TV and movies sort of uh, start the trend, and then the trend follows, um, and then you know, and then it kind of follows from there. So. I, I would say that I think that maybe the, the, the culture influences the, the trend, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that you could definitely make a case for that. Derek, what do you think of this one? Well, it's, I, I definitely agree that, um, it, it, like the example that, that Lisa said, like uh, if a celebrity or a famous person is, is wearing something, what's old is new again, that can certainly drive it. But I think in the case of something that's completely brand new, um, the art uh, can definitely drive the fashion more. Like I'm thinking, and I'm sure we'll get into a lot more of this in, very specifically as we go through, but I'm thinking of things like music, for example, like punk rock, like the punk scene, the, it was the music first and the the look second. And then even with like eighties music, the the look and the music sort of, they were, they were hand in hand. And like these were, and then again with grunge, you have the art, the music is ultimately, um, what's driving people to get interested. And then as they get interested, they can start to see, well, what else comes with this art? Um, which is not to say that fashion 
never changes and is never expressive without the art around it. But I think as it relates to pop culture, I think it's more the art drives the fashion. Yeah, I think I agree with that. And like, I agree with what Lisa was saying too. And, and an example comes to mind and we'll, we'll come back to some more examples in a minute. I'll ask you for some, but one example that comes to mind where pop culture kind of influences fashion and it's, it's an old one. So, you know, I guess I'll take the lead on that one. It's Annie Hall from 1977. It, it, that movie won an Oscar for best picture. Although Star Wars should have won. It was way better. But uh, the way Diane Keaton dressed in that movie, that changed women's fashion in the 70s. Because up until then, it was pretty much all dresses and skirts. And then and then along comes Annie Hall and Diane Keaton. And and, and I think she had a really big say in, in kind of what her character would wear. So it was really kind of her that, that drove that style. But she basically wore, wore men's clothes. You know, like she had hats and she had the vest and the tie and and like the dress pants and i think it also timing is everything too it just came out at the perfect time it was right in the middle of the the equal rights amendment movement and you know sort of a general questioning of gender roles and gender rights in society and then you've got this sort of androgynous look you know wrapped around diane keaton and, and with all her her nervous energy and that, that likable charm that she had. I will always remember her for saying la-di-da, la-di-da, while she's dressed in this vest and tie. I mean, it was you know, it was an iconic sort of fashion moment in pop culture. It, it had a huge impact on mainstream fashion. And that, that's one that jumps out to me. Like I said, I'll ask you guys for some more examples, but I, I have a question. Have any of you ever been influenced by pop culture fashion? Enough that you altered your style, like, or if you have you ever like emulated the way like a certain person looked at a movie or a TV show or something, Jason? Maybe we'll start with you. Have you ever done it? Well, I, I guess I have to admit that. <laughs> wow, Be honest. Maybe, yeah, no, I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> we're all we're all friends here. It's a safe place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm gonna. I have to say that that probably about 25, 2020s, I don't know, some about 20 years ago, uh, my hair would have been, been pushed down uh, over towards my forehead, uh, George Clooney style. So, ah, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With the gel. So, yeah, and that went on for probably about a year. Uh, nice. So, yeah, that that's... I don't know if should I should I be admitting that. Yeah, that's okay cuz it's a, it's a big <laughs> it's a big part of 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 uh, you know of just of us and, and just of of people in general. So Derek, what about you? Ever been uh, influenced by pop culture enough that you've kind of changed your your look in any way or adopted anything for movies? No, I, I think it's safe to say, and yeah. if you've ever seen me through the years, my fashion choices will clearly back me up on this that that's a hard no, but I think that the the bigger trends that would happen in fashion that were driven from pop culture were hard to avoid. So, for example, in the 80s, things became very bright colors, neon colors, yes. you know, uh, things of that nature. So even as a younger teenager and even when I was able to to, you know, start to buy my own clothes and pick how I wanted to look. I didn't have a lot of options like that was the only real option. So it wasn't that I was doing it because of a specific performer or movie or TV show or musician or performer or anything like that. It was just that, well, when you went to the stores where you went in your local mall, everything sort of followed that that feel. So I think from that sense, yes, but specifically, no. Lisa, how about you? 
Well, mine is definitely when grunge became popular. That's one hundred percent what I the most memorable <laughs> fashion trend I can I I I definitely followed that one. I had plaid shirts, right. I had combat boots with dresses. Uh yeah, you name it. I mean it and I loved that music. It it just it was so different from everything that you could, you know, listen to at that point. It just it was there was hip hop, I think, and then grunge at that point. Um, and I was never, you know, I think the boy bands were still kind of there, but I never fell on. The, I was never, never with the boy bands. Um, and just the, the, you know, Pearl Jam and, and, and uh, Nirvana and all that just, I don't know, it resonated with me. And then I had to follow the fashion. <laughs> if you could call that fashion. <laughs> It was almost the absence of fashion. That was yeah. Going, you know? yeah. It was no the kidding. lazy. It was very lazy. <laughs> I've been influenced by lazy. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think for me, like as far as fashion goes, like at, le- at least as it's been presented in pop culture, it, I, I, I'm kind of like Derek in the sense like it's never really had a lot of sway over me personally. Like I don't ever recall going out and buying clothes to wear just, you know, because a certain TV celebrity dress that way or anything. But there, there was definitely one thing in regard to pop culture that affected the way I dressed for a while when I was a teenager. I've mentioned this on the, on the show before that I was a bit of a metal head. Um, I don't know if do you guys ever remember those black rock band t-shirts. Remember the ones mm-hmm. with the white sleeves? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had like Aussie Triumph, Def Leppard, Quiet Riot, Helix. Like I, I was a total metalhead. So that was one thing I definitely did. Like I kind of, you know, incorporated that. I don't know if that really really counts. But um, so I mentioned uh, an example with Annie Hall of an example of fashion and pop culture. So I don't know. Maybe we'll just kind of go around and just maybe mention one that you or you know, and we can just kind of talk about it. Lisa, you wanna you wanna give us one? What do you think? For me, it has to be Madonna, and I'm looking at. Um, my example that I um, have here, she, you know, I just remember being, I was a little girl and all of a sudden we were dressing like Madonna, the, the break, you know, the rubber bracelets, the, uh, the different colored socks, that everything was neon, you know, you had the bows in your hair, like Madonna. It, it was just, she was so influential. The gloves uh, to, too. Oh, the gloves, yeah. the lace gloves. The pearls. Yeah. It, you know, I, and we, at that point I was, I don't know when, eight, nine, ten years old. <laughs> and uh, just dressed like Madonna. <laughs> Not that that was appropriate, but uh, she's the one that stands out in, in my head the most. Cindy Lauper was big at that time too. And mm-hmm. she might even come out a bit before Madonna. And she yeah. was kind of that kind of, you know, crazy, goofy kind of style, too, with like with all that kind of stuff. Uh, Jason, any examples of fashion and pop culture that, uh, that kind of stand out for you over the years? Um, I, you know, I was two at the time or maybe it was <laughs> one. But but, you know, one that I always go back to is you know the late 70s with the disco era and the Saturday Night Fever and the John Travolta oh, look. Yes. You yes. know, um, I, I tried to figure out how to make my collars more starchy and uh, stand up a little bit better at, at the times when I was wearing collared shirts. So uh, yeah, I guess, you know, earlier I talked about hair, but, but that's not really necessarily fashion, but that is actually another thing that it I, is, I, though. it is, I think, which, 
uh, well, it didn't succeed because the collars weren't tall enough and it wasn't starchy enough. But yeah, that that's definitely one that that I gravitate towards. To Derek, think about what about you? Uh, so the 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 sort of the fashion icon that that always jumps out to me. So and when we first brought up this idea of the topic, it just screamed right at me, David Bowie. I can't think of a better example of art and fashion coming together as one and one influencing the other. Obviously Bowie ahead of like before my time, cause I was born in the mid seventies and he was, you know, big in the sixties, seventies and eighties. Um, and just the idea of an artist who can do something completely outrageous, create these characters that look a certain way that behave a certain way, but then the, the ability as an artist and as a performer to, discard that and try something completely different, both how he looks and in this case as a musician, how he sounds. And it's just, it always, uh, you know, Bowie is absolutely my absolute favorite musician and has been for uh, most of my life. And the, the, the fashion and the image and the style that comes with that is every bit as, as important to me as the music. So I get, you talk about fashion and pop culture, that discussion is not complete until you talk about Madonna, which we just did, and David Bowie. Bowie really changed over the years, too, because in the 70s, you think of him as like, kind of like Ziggy Stardust. And then in yeah. the 80s, he started wearing the suits, you know, and everything mm-hmm. and kind of doing it that way. Okay, here's here's one I want to talk about. Sideburns. <laughs> they, they've always kind of come and gone. But back in the early 90s, remember Beverly Hills 90210? That was like mm-hmm. all the rage on TV for all that. And Dylan's sideburns, they became a thing, you know? And and I remember even all the other characters on the show started to grow the sideburns. And I remember, I'm a baseball fan, so I remember uh, Baltimore Orioles outfielder Brady Anderson grew sideburns. And people even called him Brady 90210 Anderson. Because like that was a big thing. Everybody remembers that, right? Oh yeah, I I was a big nine hundred two one zero fan. <laughs> but were you a big Brady Anderson fan? I don't I don't know who Brady Anderson is. <laughs> he was like a really crappy outfielder, and then all of a sudden one season he hit like fifty home runs, and then they found out he was juicing, so it was kind of over. I I, I I think it was more the sideburns. But another one that came to mind for me from the eighties was okay. Remember break dancing? Oh yes. There was fashion around that. I remember like they had like the bandanas tied around their upper thigh. And remember there were movies like Breakin' and Breakin' 2, Electric Boogaloo? Electric Boogaloo, yeah. My, my wife just asked me the other day, she's like, what the hell are you talking about? What the hell, what's Electric Boogaloo? What does that even mean? And I'm like, oh, honey, it was this breakdancing legend, Boogaloo Shrimp, him and Shabadoo, and they were street mm-hmm. dancing, and Ice-T was the rapper. And my wife is like, you really have too much time on your hands, you know? But but this breakdancing, like, this was this was a fashion thing for a while there. I think you, I remember it was like like ripped jeans and bandanas, you know, on the and head. parachute pants. Come on, Chris. yeah, yeah, the big yeah. the big pants. Break right. pants without your parachute pants. That's a mandatory step. I leather the, pants. <laughs> what's that? Pleather pants. Oh, yes, the plastic leather pants. <laughs> yes. I would. I always think of the bandanas, like they wear the bandanas on the head, on their uh, thighs, around their the ankles. Thigh. There were kids in my high school. I remember, not me, definitely not me, but there were kids that would, would um, I was wearing my like black triumph shirt, you know, but but there were kids that would wear like the bandanas and all that stuff. I remember, oh man, a lot of people did that. Um, so Jason, you mentioned hair 
and you said it's not really fashion and I, I think it is because for me the one that jumped out the most when I thought about this was the Rachel so mm-hmm. my wife recently has gone back and watched old episodes of Friends and that haircut I mean that was that was something like it was huge I think it probably would be up there with if not the most, like one of the most influential haircuts of all time. Like it was an absolute pop culture sensation. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it absolutely defined the the mid nineties. And and you're you're completely correct. I, I looked through a list just a bit earlier and that was number two on that on that particular list. And there was, you know, Jennifer Aniston as Rachel Green and and that hairstyle. I mean, I, I very distinctly remember uh, the world looking or trying to look like Jennifer Aniston in, in, in the mid nineties. So I couldn't agree more with that. I still have sideburns to this day, by the way. Nice. <laughs> nice. But do you have a Rachel? That really is the question. Um, so that no. hairstyle, <laughs> that hairstyle was created by Chris McMillan. He was the, this hairstylist at the time and it made Jennifer Aniston one of the most influential icons of generation X. Like I say, my wife has gone back and started watching some of these old episodes the one thing I will say, because because like she's got the show on, and I kind of like watched it from time to time. Jennifer Aniston is one of the most attractive human beings like I have ever seen in my entire life, and, and so that probably didn't hurt the whole style icon thing. But that haircut, Lisa. Any chance you ever had a Rachel back in the day? No, I did not. No way. No, but in the in the um eighties. And the '90s, I had the giant bangs. <laughs> oh yes, they were the hairsprayed bangs. The higher you could get them, the better. It's funny when you when you mentioned about the the, the hair gelled forward like a George Clooney did it. For me, I didn't think that he started that because you know, speaking of Jennifer Anderson, I think it was Ross on Friends that started that. Wasn't it like where he gelled it and kind of combed it forward because mm-hmm. that was that was a big thing too. Like. I mean, Joey started wearing that look on the show as well, and then I think George Clooney kind of got it from there. That might be that might be correct, yeah. It, but but it's funny as you talk about you know the, that that friend show had so much influence on, uh, you know, uh, on fashion for sure. I mean, now that now that we're talking having this conversation, it's it was the '90s version of Madonna almost. The thing is, I don't think there's anything like this anymore. There, there might not ever be anything like this again because. I think those days are gone when everyone, you know, watched Friends on Thursday night. You know, like I think now with streaming services, like people just watch whatever they want, whenever they want. And and there's no real synergy, you know what I mean, across mm-hmm. like mass audiences. So I don't know if it's even possible today to have fashion emanate, emanate from television. That's for sure. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, Lisa, do you agree with that or what do you think? Well, we we want everything on demand, you know, and and I think that's why fashion is circling back around. And now we're seeing 80s and 90s fashions because, you know, a lot of us are watching old repeats and and shows like Friends because we have them at our fingertips. Netflix, you, you can watch anything, anything you want at any time. You can watch the whole series of Friends in an entire week. You know, and and so that nothing in fashion is new. It's all recycled. And the 80s is really coming back. I, it's just that's and every all 
everyone um, that's young thinks that's new fashion and really all it is is recycled fashion. <laughs> it's everything we already wore. And, and you know, we've said around here before, like n- nostalgia is a powerful drug, mm-hmm. you know? And so as we go back and we have access to all this pop culture from, you know, generations past, we, we can go back and watch a lot of this stuff. There's that sort of hearkening back to that stuff. So that kind of, you know, brings it to the forefront. Uh, Derek, you're, you're more like modern than I am. So is there any chance like that, you know, television could ever influence fashion again like it used to i don't think it can but well i don't think not in the traditional sense of television as it mm-hmm. was in the 80s because television's not like that anymore i think as we were just talking about with people able to get their entertainment and their media in all sorts of different ways mostly through the computer on demand and and various social media channels you wouldn't necessarily try to influence the same kind of audience in the same kind of way today that you did in the 80s because you have new different vehicles available to do that now. And I think that with um, by using the Internet, you can be more targeted and you can influence a, a wider audience internationally. Like if you think about 80s TV was you know, mostly for the U.S. and to a lesser extent Canada, and then obviously other places from around the world were like, "Oh, well, this is what's happening in America." Uh, but now I think the internet has has made us so much more of a global community that you can have important trends originating from really anywhere in the world, and the internet makes them immediately accessible to everybody or anybody who might want it. And so I think. We're now at a point, and you've, you and I have talked about this a little bit on some of the previous shows, sort of in a more um, joking manner, the idea of influencers and people whose whose job is really just to to be famous for the sake of being famous and to tout products and to promote things. And whether that thing happens to be a dress, a jacket, shoes, a haircut, uh, you know, glasses, whatever it might be, they can reach so many people so quickly it, you know, we're, we're at the point where everyone wants it on demand. They want it right now. Well, that's how you would reach people. That's how you would have a, a, a trend now in the same way you might have that trend in the 80s. At least in my opinion, you would you would put it out through the Internet, through social media, through these influencers, and you can reach these massive audiences. And of course, when things were happening on TV, people would say, oh, well, I have to remember to go to the store and buy that or, or you know, order that. Well, now you can see it online and there's usually links right there. Oh, do you like what this influencer is wearing? You want to order this? Click here, mm-hmm. order it now, and it'll be in your door tomorrow. So I, I think not only could you have these kinds of trends happening, I think you would have that instant gratification and wish fulfillment immediately. And the trends can then turn over more quickly because the people who are actually making money off of it can be like, well, we've sold out of all of that product. Let's send them something new and start a slightly new trend. So. When we it's did an our change. yeah, when we did our very first uh, fantasy draft, uh, we did 1984, and the first pick that you made was a TV show which I which I never watched back when it was on. When that was Miami Vice, I don't. Did you guys ever watch Miami Vice? Because I can I seem to remember that that had a pretty big influence on fashion, if I'm not mistaken. Lisa, did you ever watch Miami Vice? Well, I no, I didn't, but. That is one of the shows that I know that my grandparents watched. And all I can hear, if I hear the Miami Vice song, it gives me a strange feeling of being at my grandparents' house. You know, and did your grandfather wear like a white blazer with the sleeves rolled up? (laughs) No, 
but like I I do remember um my aunt lived at home at the time and when I would visit my grandparents of course her dates would come pick her up they were all dressed like Don Johnson they all had you know the the white suit coat with the pink shirt and yeah because it was t-shirt under the suit jacket coat or the right. you know the coat and yeah they all dressed like Don Johnson at that time Derek, you obviously watched the show. You picked it for your TV show. Uh, that influenced um, fashion for sure, didn't it? Yeah, and honestly, I never watched the show. It, it was, again, I was only about 10 years old when it came out, but I definitely remember and have since learned more about the the fashion trends and all. And, and you know, just, just like Lisa said, like, it was certainly an opportunity for men to, um, you know, show their stuff. Uh, and I think because I think up until then, men – typically a men's fashion was just either a t-shirt and a jeans or a suit. And it was usually a conservative suit, a black suit, a blue suit, a dark brown suit. You know, it was more of that idea. And then as you come into the eighties, things start to change and the colors become more important. And I mentioned earlier about new wave. Like you look at Duran Duran, like I think Duran Duran is a great musical group, but they were the right band at the right time with the right look and the right style. And MTV comes out and now you've got a visual to go along with this audio and the songs were great, but now people can see what they look like. And I think that was, again, part of that huge trend setting. And, uh, you know, the guys in Miami Vice look just like the guys in the Duran Duran videos. Like you have this sort of uh, double assault from TV and music happening simultaneously. And suddenly it's like, OK, guys can wear bright colors. You know what? Guys wearing a pink T-shirt. That's cool. That's fine. That's hip. That's that's the thing to do. But five years earlier, no way that would happen. So mm -hmm. it's it's sometimes it's just. It, it, you see it happen in pop culture and suddenly people say, okay, well, if, if it's happening on this show or this movie or these artists are doing it, it must now be acceptable. So sometimes it can change almost overnight and in all the right ways. Do any of you remember a, a trend there for a while in the 80s where it was like all leather clothes with zippers? Remember those? Michael Jackson. It was Michael Jackson who started that. It was, you know... Uh, even even uh, sweatpants had leather on them. I remember <laughs> having leather patches on the knees and the elbows of, you know, sweatsuits. And it's like, why? <laughs> it was a whole <laughs> Michael Jackson thing. Uh, the red leather jacket with the zippers, everything. Yeah. Right with black zippers. <laughs> I always remember Beverly Hills Cop when Eddie Murphy is walking down the street and he sees those mm -hmm. two guys that are like wearing the full leather clothes with the zippers and he's just laughing at them. Like even then it almost seemed like a punchline, you know? But Eddie Murphy wore the leather on stage. <laughs> with his. You're so right. when, who started did... it? Was it Eddie Murphy or, or was it Michael Jackson? <laughs> That's a good point. When he did Raw, he basically did the whole show in like a leather thing mm -hmm. with zippers on it. That's so funny. I never even clued into that. So in Beverly Hills Cop, he's laughing at people for dressing like that. And then he does Raw dressed like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was purple. That was the only thing. Jeez. Um, moving into the nineties, anybody remember Crisscross? Oh yeah, of course. The influence yeah, that yeah. they had on on fashion for a while there with the backwards pants. I don't know if that actually ever caught on though. I I think that people tried it, but it it was uncomfortable. I just don't remember <laughs> that one picking. I think they wanted it to catch on more than it actually did. But this was an example of style over substance, right? It was 
here's an artist trying to, or in this case, two young kids, trying to break into an industry that is incredibly difficult. They Sure, they have talent, but they're not necessarily that much more talented than the next guy. How do they differentiate themselves? Oh, well, we're going to have this interesting fashion choice. Rightly, wrongly, it's bizarre, it's it's great. Whatever you think of it, it's different. And it was a spectacle. And, and that opens the door. And now people are suddenly... You know, singing along to crisscross one, make you want to jump, jump. And they remember the video where the kids are wearing the clothes backwards. And I can remember people in my high school. I can remember one guy, he had this like sweatshirt that was the Warner Brothers characters. It was like Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. And the characters depicted on the shirt were wearing the clothes backwards. So it was like <laughs> they were really trying to borrow this style and, and put it into other forms of pop culture to demonstrate like, yeah, this is a thing. We want to be the first ones to demonstrate that this is going to work. So yeah, it was kind of silly and ridiculous. And I can remember reading years later that they had to buy the clothes like three sizes bigger because pants are designed to be worn a certain way. And when you wear them backwards and your butt is where the front is supposed mm-hmm. to be and the front is where your butt's supposed to be normal size. It doesn't matter how big your waist is when the rest of the parts aren't in the right places. And so I think that's part of why the trend didn't, well, we'll call it a trend didn't really catch on because it was so ridiculous, but, uh, but it was a thing. It didn't, maybe didn't last very long, but it, it was a thing. It was. So Jason said something before and it got me thinking about hair and like, is hair part of, you know, uh, fashion. So, so I've got another one for you. And this was a huge fashion thing that was just pervasive in pop culture and fashion in general. I think body hair on men. Okay, so just stay with me on this one for a second. Okay, so back in the 70s, body hair was like a badge of honor for guys, right? And so like they'd unbutton their shirts so you could see their chest hair and their chains too. Oh, nobody likes to sport a neck full of gold like me, Derek. I tell you that, oh, not going to lie. But Burt Reynolds, if you remember, posed. I was like, he's got to be going to Burt yeah. Reynolds or Robin Williams with this. Where is he going? <laughs> Robin Williams, who was who had hair on his eyeballs and fingernails for crying out loud. But but Burt Reynolds posed nude uh, for the centerfold of Cosmopolitan back in 1972, and it made him a star overnight, right? And 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 he posed on this bearskin rug. <laughs> it looked it looked like. He had a bearskin rug taped to his body. <laughs> like it was just like now he says that when, when he posed for that, that 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 cost him an Oscar nomination for Deliverance. But, wow! But one thing's for sure. I mean, it made him into a sex symbol in the seventies. Like I I don't know if it would have I don't know if it would have cost him a uh, a nomination for. I mean, he he wouldn't have been best actor. He wouldn't have beat Marlon Brando that year for Godfather. But even best supporting actor, like I mean. It was like three guys from The Godfather and Joel Grey from Cabaret. So I don't know. But the thing is, could you imagine if an actor looking like that posed for a centerfold like that today? Women would probably vomit. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's so different. And that trend went on for, for many years because, oh, yeah. you know, I was I was thinking back to the early 80s, some of my favorite childhood uh, TV shows, David Hasselhoff. And then I started watching reruns of Magnum PI. I was and, say, and gotta so, be Magnum. Yep. Yeah. 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 So I mean, we're talking '72, and I'm I'm now referencing what the early '80s. I think Magnum PI was from '80 to '84, '86, whatever it was. Uh, you know, so that went on for a long, long time. Uh, but you're right. You know, nowadays, 
it's it's so very different. In fact, if you have any hair at all, I think that's probably a, a, an issue, you know, or not an issue, but you know, something that's not uh, not looked at favorably like it was back then. Yeah, we well, mentioned like we mentioned before about nostalgia and wanting to go back to the old days, but men's body hair has changed. That that like things tend to repeat themselves and, 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 and like Lisa had mentioned before, like nostalgia brings things back, you know, from time to time. But I think the idea of guys with the open shirts and the chains and the chest hair, I think that ain't never coming back. No, <laughs> like, I don't think so. Don't think no, so. they don't make firebirds or trans ams anymore. <laughs> well, what about just the mustache? That's not ever really been a thing. I mean, I think people have tried to bring that back, but I don't think it ever sticks. And the just the mustache, that was at that, you know, point in time too with Burt Reynolds and Tom Selleck and it, you know, the just a mustache. Yeah, I know. And <laughs> Harry right. Justin mustache. It was a thing, but even now, like, <clears throat> you know, I, I, we're, I'm Canadian, so I, I relate everything to hockey. There's a hockey player that plays for the Toronto uh, Maple Leafs, Austin Matthews, and he grew a mustache. And even now, well, wait, wait. I don't know if we can call that a mustache. Yeah, that's true. I Isn't guess. Isn't that a good luck thing, though? Isn't that like for games and then they shape oh, it off? Usually they grow a beard for the playoffs. But in this case, he's growing a mustache and he's just left the mustache on only. But it's even now it's like he looks like this cheesy porn star, you know, like that's always the the the, the mantra that people go to. So I, I, I cannot see mustaches coming back either. That's, no. a, that's a good point. So. I think that's a good point too. That that that's one of the things that that a lot of there are some trends that seem to try to come back yeah. repeatedly, and the mustache I think is one of them. All right. So on that note, what do you say that we have some fun with Caveman? Okay. So we like to to, to talk about the Oscars around here, and although I mean it's 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 not really a necessarily an an indication of of the fashion at any given time, but. But I mean, movies have a lot of fashion in them. And what they do is, is over the years, they've obviously rewarded movies with an Academy Award for Best Costumes. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through the decade of the 80s because we seem pretty comfortable with the 80s, all of us. You know, it's kind of our thing. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the year and the I'm going to give you two of the nominees for the Oscar for Best Costume from that year. One of them is the winner. And one is not. And you just have to pick the winner. So it's like 50-50. Super easy. Okay? So so two movies, both were nominated for best costumes. One's winner. One's not the winner. You got to pick the winner. Okay? For best costume design. So Lisa and Jason, you guys can be a team on this one. You guys can work together. Okay? So we're going to start with 1980. Two movies are Somewhere in Time or Tess. Which one? won the Oscar for Best Costume in 1980. I'm going to say Tess. And why do you say that? Because I remembered it. She would be correct. Tess is right. Okay, I'll let you collaborate a little bit before we go ahead. So 1981, next year, Reds or Chariots of Fire? Which one won Best Costume? I would have to say Chariots of Fire. Lisa, you agree with that one? Yeah. You'd be correct. It was Chariots of Fire. Okay, 1982. Gandhi or Victor Victoria? Victor Victoria. I'm going to go with you on that because I don't know. 
I'm sorry. It was really? Gandhi. Yes, Gandhi wow. actually won. Yeah. I know. I would have thought Victor Victoria as well. Okay, 1983. Zelig or Fanny and Alexander? I don't know either of those. Yeah, no, that's... That one's Zelig was the one with Woody so. Allen where he goes like back in time and goes all over the place. I'm going to say it has to be a Woody Allen movie then. Because, yeah, that makes sense yeah. to me. I'm going to go with that too. I'm sorry, it was Fanny and Alexander. Okay. We had such a good start. Yeah, I tried to throw you off. Okay, 1984, A Passage to India or Amadeus? Which movie oh. won best costume? I, Amadeus. <laughs> you are correct. Okay, 1985, Ron or The Color Purple? Which one won for best costume? I, I would say that was the color purple. You agree with that, Lisa? Yeah, I mouthed it to him. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm no. sorry. It was Ron. Okay. Uh, these are tough. 1986, A Room with a View or The Mission? Which one won best costume? What do you think on that one? I, I would say A Room with a View. I think I agree with that one. You are correct. Okay, 1987. The Last Emperor or the Untouchables? Best costume design. Last Ooh, Emperor that's a difficult or the Untouchables? One. So this best costume, I'm going to say it's the Untouchables. I don't think Ooh, we're that's a tough one. Okay. I, I'm going to, I would say the Last Emperor. Okay. We're going we're, with your answer. Going to go with that one? Yeah. Always trust her when it comes to fashion. Okay, 1988. Tucker, the man in his dream, or dangerous liaisons? Which Mm. one won for best costume design? Tucker, the man in his dream, or dangerous liaisons? 1988. Boy, that one's tough, too. Mm. I say Tucker. Okay, we'll go with yours this time. Always go with Lisa. All right, 1989, the last one. Harlem Knights or Henry V? 1989, Ooh. Harlem Knights or Henry V? Best costume design. Oh, Ooh, I want to go with Har- Ooh. Harlem Knights, I guess. They had the zoot suits, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be- yeah, those were. Can you go with Harlem, Harlem Knights? You want to go with it? Yeah. It could have been either of those. I'm oh. sorry, it was Henry V. <laughs> Those yeah. are tough. Those are tough ones. So, oh, yeah, you got about half of them. So it was like, and it was all 50-50 the whole way. Right. So right. I want to say big thanks to our guests this week, Lisa and Jason Marks. You're going to find them over at the Designated Quizzers podcast, uh, everywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find them on Twitter at Designated QZRS. Is that Z or Z? Which one's Canadian? <laughs> which, which one's American? <laughs> That's a good point. We may have to start saying it that way. Which one is it? Is it Z or Z? Well, it's, well, we it's say Z in Z. the U.S., yeah, but it, yeah. it's definitely Z in Canada. Yeah. Z in Canada? Is that the way it is, Derek? It's supposed to be Z? It's supposed to be. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I say Z most of the time. I guess I'm influenced by, by American pop culture more. So, uh, so Derek, uh, it's, it's over to you uh, to nominate a film for us to review next week. Um, we're going to do a newer movie, so I don't watch anything after 1989, as you know. So uh, what, do you, what are we going to watch next week? What do you think? All right. Uh, I'm sort of cheating on this a little bit because I actually watched this movie yesterday. Okay. Just randomly. It happened to be on. And I thought, oh, I haven't seen this in a while. I'm going to watch it. And I actually liked it a lot more than I remembered it 
like I, re I liked it a lot more this time around than I think I remembered liking it the previous time. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to get Chris to watch this. I'm sure you've never seen it. It's from 2016. It's called Passengers. It stars Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt. It's a, a sci-fi movie. I've never even you heard, heard of it. it. Never even heard it's, of it. I, I looked it up. It's on Netflix, so you should have no problem. Here in Canada, it's in Netflix. You okay. should have no problem watching it or finding it, rather. Uh, I know you watch these with your wife. I think that she'll enjoy this if for no other reason than you get to see Chris Pratt with no pants on and no shirt on for a lot of this movie. Does, but does he have the Burt Reynolds chest hair? That's the question. Uh, no, no, I, I don't. Well, I seem to remember. Does Jennifer he, Lawrence vomit on screen when she's just, Yeah, well, not so much. No, I, I don't think he has a, a tremendous amount of chest hair. I think he was pretty clean Thank shaven. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, give it a watch. Uh, it's All from right. 2016 Passengers. I have a, I had a lot of thoughts on it when I was watching it yesterday, and I thought, you know what, this wasn't the one I had originally lined up to watch, but after after seeing it, I thought, you know what, I've got a lot of things to talk about on this one, and I think uh, right. I, I don't know if you're gonna love it, hate it, or somewhere in the middle, but I think it'll it'll generate some good discussion, and right. it's pretty recent, five years, so passengers, mm -hmm. give it a watch. Okay, watch it, Lisa, Jason, thanks a lot for coming on. We really appreciate having you. That was great. Well, I hope you had a good time. Thank you for time. having us. Yes. We had a great time, and, and thank you guys so much. So we look forward to uh, meeting up with you guys again sometime. Yeah, well, like we'll I say, best of luck. You guys are really killing it over there on Designated Quizzers, so so keep up the good work over there. And uh, and, and like Derek said, he, you know, he wants to come on as a guest sometime. So, you know, reach out if to him. If you'll have me. If, if oh, you'll yeah. have him. So. Uh, so I'll tell you what, until next time, this is Chris McBrien. On behalf of myself and Derek Myers and our, our producer, Sloth, I want to say thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.